And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. And then Peter, he says, he doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean. And then at that time, when he's sitting there thinking about it, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made an inquiry at Simon's house. So the men arrived at Simon's house. Let me give you just a little bit of the backdrop. Peter was up on the house, and he was up on the housetop praying at noontime. The houses in that part of the world, <clears throat> the Middle East there in, in uh, Judea and in Israel, the houses were flat on top, and there, there, there wasn't a whole lot of real estate to go around, and, and instead of going out in the yard, people would go up on the rooftop, and it was just a part of their house. It was almost like another room, and so it wasn't unusual for him to go up on the rooftop, and it wasn't unusual for him to go up at that time. He went up at noon, lunchtime. The Jews prayed three times a day, once at nine o'clock in the morning, once at noon, and then once at three o'clock in the afternoon. And so he was up there for the regular prayer time, still following Jewish tradition, still following that tradition of his father, still very much a Jewish man at this time. Jewish tradition and, and all of that was very much uh, part of Peter's life. And so we're going to see some of those things tonight. <clears throat> As we look at this, but while he was up on the roof, he apparently fell into a sleep-like state and had a, had a vision. He was in a trance, the Bible says. And he saw a vision and he saw a, a large sheet coming down, maybe like a tablecloth or like a parachute upside down, coming down out of heaven. And when it opened up, it had all these unclean animals that Jews would never touch. They would never eat these things. And uh, the Lord was saying to, to Peter, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord. You remember from last time? And then the, the thing would go back up into heaven, and three times in a row, the Lord did this for Peter. And then Peter, he didn't know what on earth all of that meant, but he's about ready to find out. That's what we're going to look at tonight. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that the God on the mountain, you're still God in the valley. And Lord, I thank you that you help us that you give us grace that's sufficient for the day. And Lord, trials can be hard, trials can be burdensome, trials can be severe in this life. We spend most of our life as Christians in the valley. But God, you're so good to us, and I want to make sure that I give you the praise. Tonight, I think about just this time, us meeting together in this hour. And, and Lord, I don't want it to be for nothing. We've got your word. We have your precious Holy Spirit to apply the word. I have what you've given to me, and God, I pray that you would just make it a blessing to each one that's here, and I thank you, Lord, for being so good to me, an unworthy servant, Lord, and taking me as an unclean, wicked Gentile, living in darkness, loving the darkness of this world rather than the light of your truth, and you came down into my dark life one night, and you saved my soul, and you changed my life, turned it all around and then called me to preach. And what a, what a privilege it is. And I thank you for it, Lord. And I want to be faithful to it. I want to be faithful to these people here. I pray that you'd bless us to that end. Lord, for your good and uh, for your glory and for our good. And if there's one here that's not saved tonight, Lord, I pray. God, I pray that that, that person that's not saved would get saved tonight. Lord, that they'd not put it off. But tonight that they'd just get it settled. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now, Peter, here's the deep stuff, okay? Peter is the apostle to the circumcision. That means the Jews, the Jewish people. He's the sent one. He's the one appointed by Jesus Christ to go to the circumcision. Paul is the apostle, the sent one, appointed by the Lord to go to the Gentiles. I want you to see that. A Gentile is anyone in the world that's not a Jew. You were a Gentile before you got saved, if you're saved tonight. And uh, once you're saved and you're in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's no national distinction. But Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. And from here on, through the rest of the book of Acts, the, the, the spotlight is going to be taken away from Peter and then put on Paul for the rest of the book of Acts. Now, I want to show you this in the scripture. So let's look at Romans 15, verse 8. We're seeing the conclusion of what Peter is doing in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit's going to shine the spotlight on Paul throughout the rest of the book. And I want to show you this, Romans 15. So this is, this is how you do Bible study, comparing scripture with scripture. And I could just tell you these things, but it wouldn't stick. But it'll stick if I get you to turn and see it for yourself. And it helps also, you know, if you take down a few notes. If you don't want to, that's fine too. But anything that you can do to get this stuff to stick. Okay, Romans 15 and verse 8. There's that word stuff again. I think every time I say the word stuff, I'm going to put a dollar into the plate until I stop saying it. Because I just don't like it. I think it's irreverent. But when you're talking about the word of God. Um, All right, Romans 15 and verse 8. Now I say, this is Paul, that Jesus Christ was a minister, that's a servant, of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. That is, when Jesus came into the world, he came not for the Gentiles. He said, I am come not but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came to his people, the Jews, and his people did not receive him. He was a minister to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. The promise made to Abraham that in Abraham all the world would be blessed. That's where you and I get in. But Jesus came to confirm those promises. As a matter of fact, did you know that when Jesus first sent out his 12 and then his 72, that he said, go not into the way of the Gentiles. He said, do not go and preach to the Gentiles. But then you get to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. He says, go to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world, right? Start at the city of Jerusalem, it's the bullseye, it's ground zero, and go out from there. All the way to the uttermost part, the the Gentiles. But in the Gospels, Jesus came for the Jews. You have to see that distinction. In verse 9, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. You see, the Gentiles are going to get in on it. But Paul has the full revelation at this point. Look at Galatians chapter 2. So, uh, Romans and Galatians, they are sister books. They go hand in hand. That is, when you study Romans, you ought to study Galatians. When you study Galatians, you ought to study Romans. And keep comparing them back and forth. 
So Romans chapter 2 and verse 6 uh, down to uh, the verse 16. That's Galatians chapter 2. Um, I'll give you the books in order. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians. Chapter 2 and verse 6. And uh, we're talking about Paul as the apostle to the Gentiles. So here we are in chapter 2 and verse 6 of Galatians. But of these who seem to be somewhat. Now Paul is talking about his introduction back into Jerusalem after he had been converted, after he had been with the Lord, after he had been up in Damascus preaching, he's coming back down to Jerusalem later on. And he said, when I came to Jerusalem and I met with Peter, James, and John, the inner three, that's who he's referring to. Look what he says about them. But of these who seem to be somewhat, that's Peter, James, and John, whosoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. Now listen to how he talks. God accepteth no man's person. That is, Paul never downplayed his apostleship compared to even the three of the men who were closest to Jesus and followed him for three and a half years, Peter, James, and John. Paul did not see his apostleship as being inferior in any way. So he said, it made no matter to me that they were the three great inner circle. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference when we all got together to talk, look what he says, added nothing to me. Now, he's not being arrogant. Paul's not being cocky. What he's saying is that I've got all the revelation right from Jesus. He was on the backside of the desert. Jesus was instructing him, giving him the mysteries, giving him all of the revelation that that Paul was going to teach to the church, giving him things that Jesus did not give to Matthew, you know, Mark, uh, Luke, John. He did not give to any of the original 12. He gave it to Paul. So he said in conference, they added nothing to me. That means, folks, we need to really pay attention to what Paul teaches us. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. But contrary-wise, let's just read on a little bit. When they saw what the gospel, that the gospel of the circ, excuse me, contrary-wise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, you see it? For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the Jews, The same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. What we're going to see in the book of Acts, all of the miracles that Peter performed, Paul will do the same things. And Paul will be used in a greater way. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to show us is that Paul duplicating every miracle uh, is showing us that he's going to take the preeminent position in the book of Acts. From here on out and throughout the church age, we are to follow Paul doctrinally. Verse 9, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship. You see, they got along. That we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. There it is again. 
Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. That's the poor in Jerusalem, that original church. They tried to do communal living. They tried to share everything, sell all your goods and share it among the people, and it failed. And they ended up poor, and they were persecuted greatly for what they were doing. So men were losing their jobs, wives were losing their husbands, and so on. So he said, remember the poor. And Paul said, I I would do that everywhere I went. I would take up a collection for them. Verse 11, but when Peter was come to Antioch, look at it. I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Paul had to straighten Peter out when he came to Antioch. You know what Antioch was? Church north of Jerusalem. And it became the the church that God used to spread the gospel throughout all the world. It was not the original church in Jerusalem, but it was the church in Antioch, which was the Gentile missionary sending church. So when Peter got up there, Paul had to straighten him out on something. So uh, when he was come to Antioch, he says in verse 11 and verse 12, For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. In other words, he's saying Peter was up there in Antioch eating with the Gentiles, which was something that a Jew did not do. A Jew would not touch a Gentile. A Jew would not eat with a Gentile. A Jew would not allow a Gentile to come into his house. A Jew would not go into a Gentile's house. A Jew walking down the the street, if he was really rigid with his religion, would, would wrap up his long flowing garments and keep them real close because he was afraid if he walked down the street and part of his robe that was flowing would, would touch a Gentile, he would be ceremonially unclean. And then he would have to go through this long ritual before he could worship God again in the temple. They, they saw Gentiles as being dogs, being unclean, and they would make them unclean. And so Peter was getting over all of that stuff. There it is again. That's $2 in the plate. He was getting over it, but, but look what happened. When old James showed up, pastor of the church in Jerusalem... And, and the uh, pillars in that church, when they showed up in Antioch to see what was going on up there, Peter all of a sudden jumped up from the table, separated himself from the Gentiles, and Paul said, hold on now, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Paul had to straighten him out, because he, he had a Jewish hangover of his Jewish religion. So uh, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision, for the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation, their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they walked not upright according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the... You know what Paul's saying? Look, I, I said to Peter in front of everybody, the elders from the church in Jerusalem, the elders in the church in Antioch. I said to Peter, what you're doing is not right. You're not living according to the gospel. You are a hypocrite. Paul straightened out the great apostle Peter. And he had revelation that Peter did not have. And Peter, listen, Peter's teaching, he walked with Jesus for three years. You would think that Peter's going to tell Paul all about it. Nope. Paul said, they added nothing to me. They had nothing to teach me. Now, I'm trying to make a point here. Follow Paul. Compare everything that you read in the Bible to Paul's teachings. It'll keep you from getting messed up. That's what I'm trying to show you in the book of Acts. 
Let's come back to Acts chapter 10. So the Lord's going to shine the spotlight on Paul here before too long, but he's working on Peter the time being. And uh, we're in Acts chapter 10. Let's read a few verses here. And we're dealing with the conversion of Cornelius. He's a Gentile. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 10, this is the first Gentile conversion in the book of Acts. And uh, Cornelius, we we learned already back in verse 1 that he was a centurion. He was a, a good man, an upright man as far as men go, even religious. And uh, he was a praying man and a man who gave to the poor and all of that. He was religious, but he was lost. But God's going to save a Gentile. And Peter's going to use the keys that he had. And he's going to open up the gospel to the Gentiles. But from there, Paul's going to take over. And it's in Acts chapter 10 that we learn about this. And I've got to say one more thing before I move on. Because this is just too cool for Sunday school. Like Brother George Griffiths would say. You're in Acts chapter 10, right? Okay. Acts chapter 10, verse 10, Peter receives a a trance, a vision in a trance. The Lord's going to get Peter to see that the gospel's got to go to the Gentiles, whether you think they're unclean or not. So Acts chapter 10, verse 10, you know what you find back in Genesis 10? We're not going to turn there. Back in Genesis 10, that's where you find that Noah is the 10th from Adam. In Genesis 10, you find Noah's generations. In Genesis 10, verse 10, you find the first Gentile kingdom. Remember Babel, all that stuff? There it is again, that's $3. Remember Babel? That's the first Gentile kingdom. You say, what's so important about that? If you've been studying what we're looking at in prophecy, the, the times of the Gentiles, they end... With Rome, there's a pause with Rome. And then you're coming up to the ten toes of Daniel's statue. And what you have is you have the Gentiles reigning over this world and treading over the the land that God gave to Israel. And what you find is that right now we're in the times of the Gentiles. And it's not long before the Lord comes back and he wraps this up and he gets back to his program with the Jews. But... You find your first Gentile convert here, and he just happens to be in Acts chapter 10. You know what the number 10 is in the Bible? The number 10 is the number of the Gentiles. It's connected with the Gentiles in the Bible. I'm telling you, you couldn't put a book like this together. It's humanly impossible to do. So you have here in verse 15, The voice spake unto Peter, and he says, what God hath cleansed, that call thou, call not thou common. He doesn't understand at this point. He still doesn't get it. But then look what happens in the end of verse 17. The three men that Cornelius had sent to Simon Peter's house stood before the gate right after the Lord gave him this vision. And uh, they called They're standing at the gate of Peter's house. They're calling. They're asking whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. And, you know, it keeps calling him Simon, which means sifting sand. He's unsteady at this point. But after this, the Lord's just going to call him Peter. 
because he's working on him. He's still working to change him, to make him into the man that he needs to be so that he can use him. And after this, he's going to be Peter the rock. But while Peter thought on the vision in verse 19, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. So in this chapter, first of all, Peter is a prepared man. The Lord is preparing him. And here, the Spirit is telling him the same thing that the angel told Cornelius. And last time I said that God will prepare you for what he prepares for you. In other words, on both sides of something that God wants you to do, God will prepare you on one side and say, this is what I want you to do. He'll start to deal with you about it to get you kind of thinking about it, get you yielded to it, yielded to the idea of it, prepared for it, make you into the person that you need to be to be able to handle what he's got for you. And then on the other side of the thing, he'll be preparing the people for you on the other side. And that's exactly what we have here. And the Spirit is telling these three men uh, to go there, and the Spirit's telling Peter that they're seeking for you. You say, what's the big deal? Because Peter would never let these guys into his house. The Lord's got to do this for him. And then verse 20, Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now Peter's thinking about this vision. He's thinking about the Holy Spirit talking to him. And there's these three men, these Gentiles standing out there. And verse 21, Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. In other words, he's saying, I'm Simon Peter. Why did you come to my house? Is what he's saying. And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and they go on to tell him about their boss, one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Now this man is a good religious lost man. You could just fit him to whatever religion or major denomination, orthodox or whatever, and he's a perfect fit. He fears God. He believes in God. He's got a good report of people outside of of his house and his business. And uh, he, he prays and all of that stuff, gives alms to the poor and all of that, but it's not enough. What did the angel tell Cornelius that he needed? He said, you need to send for a preacher. Send for a preacher. And that's what he was doing. And the angel told Cornelius what he needed to hear. You see at the end of verse 22, send his house to hear words. And so they said, our boss told us to come here because you've got something to say and he needs to hear it. And what was it that he needed to hear? Look at Acts chapter 11, verse 14. You see, he was religious, but it wasn't enough. He needed to hear about salvation. Chapter 11, verse 14. Who shall tell thee words, thou and all thy house shall be saved. 
He'll tell thee words, and by these words, you and everyone in your house is going to be saved. I don't know who I'm talking to here tonight. But I know this, that believing in God, being all right with the Bible and all right with coming to church, and and that's all fine. I'll even pray and I'll bow when everybody else bows and prays in church, you know, and I'll even give. Every once in a while we have opportunities to give at church and I'll even give. I'll do all of those things. And I care about other people and, and all this. And I'm telling you, it's not enough. Because the devils believe and tremble. The devils believe in God. Do you think they're saved and going to heaven? I don't think so. They have enough sense to tremble dealing with the mighty God that we're dealing with. But this is what God will do. He'll take a person like this, and he'll pay attention to what they're doing. And if they're living according to the light that they have, their conscience, they understand it's right to treat other people the way that I want to be treated. They understand that it's right. I look all around me. I see the natural revelation of the world. It's obvious somebody created this thing. This just didn't happen by accident. They even understand that when I get in trouble, sometimes I just need to pray. And it, it kind of makes me feel better when I do and that kind of thing. God will obligate himself to get a gospel preacher to that person. It might come in the form of a tract. might come in the form of a paper. might come in the form of an internet site, a sermon online. It might come in the form of a, of a missionary coming to their house and knocking on their door. But God will give everybody a chance to hear the gospel. And he'll obligate himself to somebody like this. This is Romans chapter 2 to a T. What about you tonight? You might be religious. But listen, religion is not enough. You might believe in God. You might pray. You might give. But you don't have it settled. I'll ask you the question that I asked this morning. Are you 50%? 75% or 100% sure that you'll go to heaven when you die. Anything less than 100% means that you don't have it settled. You're not sure. That's dangerous. That's a dangerous place to be, to not have it settled. You ought to get it settled. Even if you're not sure, just come and get it settled. Get it done. That way you'll know on this particular night... I got it settled. Are you saved? Are you saved? Is God knocking on your heart's door? You know, in verse 23, then called he them in and, and lodged them. Boy, God is just breaking down walls. I'm going to read something to you from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. You don't have to turn there unless you want to. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 says, For he, Christ, is our peace, who hath made both one, Jew and Gentile, made them one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. You say, what does that mean? In the temple area, the temple mount, there were courts surrounding it. That is, there were like places to put people. You manage people by bringing them into this court. And then some people were allowed over here in this court, say like this is the court of the women. Only the women are allowed there. It's segregated. Even today, if you visit the temple mount, there are courts. It's separated. The women cannot go on the men's side. Men cannot go on the women's side. Separated. But there was a court just for the Gentiles. And there was a wall that separated them. And then there was a sign, I'm told, that said something about the Gentiles. And you're not to come over this 
wall. You know what Paul said? He was, saw that his whole life. He said that in Jesus, he's broken down that middle wall of partition. God breaks walls down that separate. And that's what God was doing for Peter. He was breaking down walls. Back at the end of chapter 9 in that last verse, Simon Peter was staying with a tanner in Joppa. A tanner was somebody who worked with the skins of animals. He worked with dead things, and that was unclean to a Jew. They would never go into a a tanner's house. They would never even touch a tanner because they're ceremonially unclean. That was Peter staying there. That was just telling you that God was starting to break down walls of prejudice in Peter's heart. And then he gives him that vision, and now Peter's starting to understand what this vision is talking about, these unclean animals that God wanted him to eat. He was referring to these Gentiles. And now he says, you can come into my home. It's another wall just coming down in Peter's life. So he said, uh, you can come in. They lodged there. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them. Certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. He's going up the Mediterranean coast on that sea coast. And the morrow after, they entered into Caesarea, about 40 miles north, and took them a long time to get there, a full day of travel. Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. Man, this is exciting. Verse 24, it's kind of like coming to church tonight. Cornelius had faith. He did. He just needed to place his faith in the right object. I'm not trying to put him down because he was religious. God will obligate himself to a man who's following his conscience and the light that he has. And he even had faith. God was preparing him with that. And so he says, I know the preacher's coming today, and I'm going to get everybody in my family to come in here, just like the Spirit told Peter. I'm going to get everybody to come. Everybody's going to be ready in my house. I want my whole family to be saved. How about you? You want your whole family to be saved? Man, you've got to have faith to say, you know what? I'm going to get them into God's house so that they can hear the gospel. I'm going to keep working on them, so that when the preacher comes to preach, that uh, they can hear him preach the gospel. You know, we're going to have a spring revival coming up, and uh, we've got Easter service coming up, and I encourage you to try again to get your family members, if they're not already saved and in a church somewhere else, try to get them in so that they can hear the gospel. So they all accompanied him. And then uh, verse 25, And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Now, that's a no-no. And Peter wasn't about to let him do that. So Peter took him up, saying, Stand up. I myself also am a man. Now that means that Peter would make a pretty rotten pope. Because he wouldn't even let him kiss his toe or his ring. And uh, he wouldn't let him bow down to him. That's, that's worship. Uh, he was a Jew. He wouldn't be a very good pope because he was a Jew. Most of the popes are Italian, something else. He was married. Popes don't get married. He had his doctrine all messed up. Paul had to straighten him out, so he wasn't infallible. He cussed and denied the Lord. Peter said, you don't, you don't bow down to a man. And I just want to say, folks, uh, I don't think there's any danger here <laughs> with me, but sometimes we, we idolize preachers, don't we? And I think sometimes we put preachers up on a pedestal and we make them more than what they really are, and it's a dangerous thing to do. <clears throat> sometimes it happens when a preacher falls. 
and it devastates people, devastates young people. And uh, you put a preacher up on a pedestal, and sometimes it, it's a danger to that preacher. You get all lifted up in pride, and he's a prime target for the devil to come and mess him up. It's just not a good thing to do. It's just it's practically worship sometimes the way that we treat preachers. And I want to encourage you. I don't think we're in any danger here, like I said. But uh, don't do that. You know, Ravi Zacharias, everybody thought so much of him. And I did too, man. He was brilliant. He could go to on college campuses and talk to those, those people on college campuses. He was used mightily. He went to go and minister to the lepers. He had a great ministry. But the devil knew how to take him down. And he was definitely lifted up, put on a pedestal. And when he fell, it hurt a lot of people. My, it hurt a lot of people. We've got to give all the glory to Jesus. Lift up his word. Jesus must be exalted. We've got to watch that. And then I'll tell you this. You start looking at any preacher for long enough and you start to see the chinks in their armor. You see their imperfections. And uh, just don't put your eyes on man. Get your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Yes, a preacher should be a good example to follow, but you you know what I'm saying there. Not to worship men. Even Peter said that. So, uh, verse 27, And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation, but God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. You see, he got it. That's what God was trying to tell him the whole time. Therefore came I unto you, and I came without gainsaying. In other words, he said, I didn't argue with the Lord. I didn't try to defend myself or anything. I just came. When the Lord said, go, I went. And I was sent for, and I ask, therefore, for what intent ye have sent for me? And Cornelius went on to say, this is what happened. You know, it's interesting. We're going to have to bring this thing to a close tonight. But it's interesting that God didn't call Philip the evangelist to do this. Because Philip the evangelist was in the area. Why didn't God call him? He was a man mightily used of God. But he didn't. He called Peter to come all the way from Joppa, completely out of his, his territory. And I don't know all the reasons, but evidently the Lord wanted to do something in Peter's life. So it's like, even when you call a preacher to come to a church, and you call him to come there, and sometimes people wonder, why'd you call him, or why didn't you call somebody else, and Uh, Or why should he come here from all the way over there and so on and so forth? We can't understand all of those things. And we don't know exactly what God's doing. But what we have to do is just follow the Spirit, follow what the Lord wants us to do. And uh, oftentimes, like the Lord's purpose in calling me here, I know it's so that I could grow. I know that's a big reason. And uh, it might have been that this was just the preacher that this church needed for this time. I don't know. I don't know exactly. But I know that... God's got his ways, and God's got his reasons. And, you know, someone might say to you, I want you to come over here and do this thing. It just makes sense that you do this. 
with your experience, with your talents, with your abilities, with your personality. It just makes sense that you do this. So will you come over to this ministry and do this? Or will you come over to this church and do that? And if that happens, listen, I'd be a little bit leery of that. I'd say, well, how about I pray and ask the Lord if he wants me to come do that? Because you might say all these things, but I haven't heard from the Lord Even if you say you've heard from the Lord, I need to hear from the Lord too on my side. So how about I take some time to pray about that? And I wouldn't go anywhere and do anything that the Lord didn't tell me to do. You see, we serve a God that's able to do that. You know that, don't you? He doesn't speak audibly, but he speaks in a still, small voice. A peaceful voice. A peaceful voice. It's not a hurry up, you've got to do this before you lose the opportunity. God's not in a hurry. And God can let you know. He can impress upon your heart. I want you to go visit this person. And you just know the Lord wants you to do it. And you better mind the Lord. Just like he did with Peter. And then Peter got there and and he just said, what would you call for me for? You know, what do you want? And then uh, verse 30. Let me just read a little bit. This we will close in just a couple of minutes. Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in the bright in bright clothing. That's an angel appearing before him as a man, and said, "Cornelius, thy prayer is heard; thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner." By the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? And then Peter opened his mouth and preached. Peter was a prepared man, and Peter was a preacher man, but we're going to have to look at his preaching next time when we get together. But, dear people, I know I've said it before, and I've taken us to to Romans, but let me just say it. You can't get saved unless you hear somebody preach the gospel. You're not automatically saved. Just because you're born into a Christian family or even raised in a church, there's a time that's a, a, a divine appointment when God says, this is your gospel message. This is your time to get saved. And it takes a preacher. Now, it might be a gospel track. Sometimes it's a paper. Sometimes it's an article online. Sometimes it's a YouTube video. I don't know how God will send it, but it'll be a time and he will ring your bell and he will put his finger on you and say, you need to get saved. You are lost and undone before me. You're not right. And I love you. And I want you to be in heaven with me. And God deals with you. It's Romans chapter 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And then it says, how shall they call? In other words, if you pray and say, Jesus, save me, how are we going to get you to that point to where you ask Jesus to save you? You've got to hear a preacher. He says, how shall they call unless they have believed? Romans 10. And I'm just summarizing. How shall they believe in him if they haven't heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach? except they be sent. It's Romans 10, verses 13 down to verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I've heard people say all kinds of things. 
I got saved one night when I was in a car and I got into a bad accident and I thought my life was over and I prayed and I said, Lord, if you just preserve my life, I will serve you for the rest of my days. And they say, that's when I got saved. And I'd have to tell them that's not how it works. What I'm talking about, I'm not talking about being saved physically, your life preserved. I'm talking about your soul, your never dying soul being forgiven of your sins, being given the gift of eternal life. You have to hear a gospel preach that unless you trust in Christ alone for salvation, unless you take him as your savior, he died and paid the penalty for your sins upon the cross. Unless you take him and his payment for your sins, you're lost. You're on your way to a devil's hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. What would you be doing going there? He didn't create it for you. He doesn't want you to go there. I don't want you to go there. Your family doesn't want you to go there. If you need to be saved, get saved tonight. I want us to have a time of invitation. I was going to close in a song. But if you could, uh, would you stand to your feet if you're able at all? And we'll bow and have a word of prayer. I don't know, but that the Lord might not want to save somebody tonight. And I can't do it. The preacher can't save you. All he can do is preach the gospel. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. As the Holy Spirit applies it to your heart. Listen, are you under conviction tonight? Have you ever told a lie? The Bible says thou shalt not lie. If you've ever told a lie, that makes you a liar. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Have you ever looked with lust on someone's picture on your cell phone or at, at, at someone at school and looked with lust, someone in the workplace, someone outside of the family relationship of marital bonds. Have you ever looked with lust in your heart? Jesus said that's the same as committing adultery. Jesus says that's a sin to look at pornography. It's a sin to look with lust. That's breaking another commandment. Have you ever stolen anything? Anything. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? That's, that's stealing. That makes you a thief. Have you ever dishonored your mom and your dad? That's another commandment. That's four. You know what that shows you? You know what that shows me? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you were to stand before God tonight, a holy God, in judgment, as he sits upon his throne, would you be innocent or guilty? Friend, you'd have to admit I'm guilty. I've sinned. What are you going to do about it? We're going to sing a song. I want to give you an opportunity to come forward. Please come forward. If you need to be saved, please come forward. Somebody will be here with the Bible. I want to show you how you can know that you know that you have forgiveness of all sins, eternal life in heaven. You can get it settled. Are you 50%, 75%, 100% sure? Anything less than 100% tonight, you need to get saved. You need to come forward when we sing. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this invitation, Lord. I pray that you would just help someone tonight to step out of their seats, out of the, out of the row that they're in, step out into the aisle, take that first step, that's the hardest one, and come forward tonight. Lord, if you want them, if it's true Holy Spirit conviction, I pray that you'd bring them to the altar. 
And if not, Lord, I pray that you would continue to work on hearts. Bless us, Lord. Bless all of our families, precious souls for whom Christ died. In Jesus' name, amen. What's our song, brother? 2.30. Hey, if you need to be saved, come at this time. As we're singing, just step right out. Have a friend come with you if you need. I'm going to bring you down here. I want you to sit down on this front row. And I want to take a Bible and show you how you can trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let's sing together.